Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. We wanted to thank our top-tier sponsors for sponsoring this episode. Josie the Mountain Droll, Panther, C. Shaw, and William. Thank you all so much. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. If you would like to see full, unedited video recordings of our podcast, ask listener questions, or be thanked by name on each episode, please support the show by subscribing at patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. You're listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. And today we have a very special guest with us. Please welcome Mahigan St. Pierre of Kitchen Toad. Mahigan, welcome. Thank you for having me. You um, are absolutely welcome. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, enjoying the morning sun, ready for some great discussions. Yeah, I hope so. It's glistening all over your face. Um, so, <laughs> Mahigan, tell us a bit about you. Um, we don't know each other super, super well. We've chatted for a little while. Marshall brought you up, and I was like, oh my God how perfect. I've had a few interactions with them, so let's bring them on, and uh, let's talk about stellar magic and star magic and Bohemian stars today. So I would love if you could tell us a bit about you, what's your childhood trauma, what's your damage, where you grew up, um, the other, uh, those other things are optional, I guess. Which was your <laughs> deepest and darkest? Yeah, um, so I'm Mahegan. I am a folk witch and magician and cunning person and, you know, magical practitioner all around. Um, I grew up kind of all over the place. So like, I don't really, you know, have many like ancestral affiliations to anything. I'm from Quebec originally. So we're like a nation of, you know, imports. Um, a good chunk of my family is indigenous. Um, and then the rest were kind of just mix match European special mix. Um, and yeah, I mainly focus on bioregional animism and, you know, working with the land and just generally like the spiritual ecosystems that surround all of us and how everything interacts, how everything like feeds into one another. So what I do, um, can come across as like more ceremonial just because I, I had like a little phase. And so I kind of like adapted the aesthetic and the vibes and like, um, techniques but then at the end of the day it's very much just trafficking with spirits and incorporating that into my lifestyle absolutely are you still in Quebec yeah. right now no so I'm moving back next month so I'm like mid-move right now wow I'm just thinking you know Austin is in Florida right now. I'm in Texas. Um, it's hotter than hell. And it's just making me think the way that you discussed uh, working so intensely on bioregionalism being a major part of your practice. I know it's a major part of my practice as well. So the seasons are, are very, very different where I live than where you live. I'm curious, mm -hmm. do you, I know this isn't directly on the brief, but I, I was just inspired to ask, like, do you find that you follow the changing seasons much more specifically where you where you live uh I bet you that changes the the flora the fauna the way in which yeah. you can work with those patterns for sure yeah um I mean a big part of my practice is kind of working we mainly like have like two seasons in Alberta um we have like a week and a half of spring and fall 
Um, so I worked pretty heavily with like the winter mother whenever the first snows kind of start arriving. And that's like a big thing that I share on Kitchen Toad and all that. Um, and then when the spring comes, I kind of delve back into, um, sorry, the imps are saying hi today. <laughs> um, I delve back into working with more like masculine um, generating kind of energies. Um, so in the winter, I'll focus mainly on like fiber crafts and on like talismanic stuff. I'll do a lot more like stellar stuff, more celestial magic. Um, whereas spring to fall, I do a lot more of my like herbalism and my kind of like phytotherapy practice, um, foraging, you know, all of those fun things. When you can mm. find that, when you can find them, when it's not snowy and cold. Yeah, exactly. There's some stuff that you can collect in the winter, but I, I mean, it's winter. Alberta's uh not very friendly winter vibes it's like negative 45 and like snowing and crazy winds I'll trade um, you and then we have like three months of beautiful sun where it's like 45 degrees and you get boiled alive oh, right yes 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 45 degrees <laughs> C yeah yeah no, I was like yes, wait yes, what yes. yeah yeah <laughs> wait what <laughs> no yeah 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 um yeah yeah I love that you, you know that wow no I I cannot convert um Celsius to Fahrenheit um that quickly I need a calculator and Google to figure that out um I Google yeah uh, circumvent the calculator we'll just we'll just ask Siri um mm. I, I would trade you I miss winter I miss it so much mm. I miss I'm I'm in this weird state right now i always love the cold i love winter i always have i always will um and i moved back to florida like six or seven years ago and um you know uh for whatever reason and i find that the more that our ecological crisis is continuing on the more the hotter it gets the more i'm like i need to go back to the ice like my mm -hmm. a lot of my family's uh, ancestry are all from very cold places and we all li live now like in the south down here now probably because they got tired of it and I'm like no no I need to go back <laughs> to my homelands of of ice and 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 glaciers and things like that um yeah well luckily here in yeah, Texas absolutely. we're getting hotter in the summer but colder in the winter so we're just getting yeah the, yeah super sweet so gotta love that um I so you said something that I don't know if, I, I, I latched onto for a moment and I'm wondering if it's something you can talk about. You said something about leaning into the winter mother. Mm -hmm. Is that an, a, a spirit, an archetype, a deity or more of like an idea that you were talking about? Um, it's kind of like all and none, you know, mm -hmm. um, as these kinds of things tend to be. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the winter mother is kind of like an emanation of the land. Like when we start speaking about like genius Losi and stuff like that, um, but in some form, she's also Hecate, but she can also be like, you know, those, um, she's kind of archetypal in a sense that she kind of works with like Caridwen and like, um, with like those traditional, like old mother crone kind of energies. Um, for me though, like I work very literally with the land. Um, cause I don't really, the whole like, um, spiritual transmogrification of like a tree into like a spirit in my mind like never kind of clicked and so for me it's like very much literally like the winter mother shows up with like the first snows and then she's everything like she's the cold she's the snow she's like the frozen ground mm -hmm. um she's like the cracking of your knuckles you know 
um, all of those kinds of like little things. Um, I write quite a bit about her um, whenever winter comes, just because I don't know, I'm a northern gal, you know, winter is always kind of um, nostalgic and reminiscent. And so ever since I started working with her, um, it feels very inspiring as well. Um, and it's kind of just like a way to, you know, honor the land and like her shifting cloak and all of those things. Um, I mean, earth goddess worship isn't like anything new, right? Um, but for me, it kind of came naturally as, um, a succession to my more literal, like working with herbs, working with trees, like da 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 da. Um, Cause in Alberta, like the region that I'm in, Alberta has like many different biomes, but the biome that I'm in is called the Aspen Parkland. Um, and it's essentially, it's really interesting cause it's um, a macro organism. And so all the aspens in the region are connected by the roots and by their mycelial networks and stuff like that. And they all kind of worked, um, obviously there's pockets but they all kind of work as like one giant organism, kind of like um, in Yellowstone, there's a giant birch forest. It's kind of like the same idea. Um, and so for me, like the winter mother is very much um, like the Aspen mother. She's kind of like the spirit of the Aspen and of the, the biome that we live on um, and the harshness that comes with it. She's the one who like challenged the first fur traders and who, um, like indigenous people grew up under and like learned how to work with. And, you know, she's kind of like representative of just the tide of seasons and like what formed this province. Cause realistically our summer is very inconsequential to the history and to the culture that developed here. Oh, I love that. I, I'm a huge, um, I, I even wrote down emanation of the land that really stood out to me because I feel like that's something that I, I resonate with uh, on a, on kind of that that literal level because I have a couple of, of very specific emanations of my craft that I that I categorize things with and they re they represent those things in all aspects. So mm -hmm. um thank you for sharing that. That was really fascinating. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, now, these like haunted doorways of of ice and 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 winter itself. I love that. What were you saying, Marshall? I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I'm curious, how did you get into magic? So, okay, I try to answer this question for like a decade now. <laughs> try again. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's hard when, it's, no, especially it's so like hard. It, when you, I think with some, some of us, um, and, and so many of us, I think can relate to this, especially as queer people, when you grow up so submerged into a realm um, of like being able to even I'm having trouble without trying to wax poetically about it. Like being in the forest as a kid, I felt it like growing mm -hmm. up, seeing spirits as a kid, I felt it. I, I knew it. I, I had visceral experience as a child. And so bringing that now to be like, how did you get into magic? So like, okay, if you want the literal answer, I guess, um, I looked up witchcraft on a computer. It was probably like 2006. Um, right. Yeah. Spelltomagic.com. <laughs> Actually, it, it even went on before that. I had like this wizard book. If you really want to get into it, this girl said that her mother practiced Santeria and she had a uh, spells of magic uh, paper that was supposed to make her hair grow longer. Anyways, yeah, so so please explain if you can. I, I totally understand mm -hmm. that. Yeah, so there was definitely kind of like um, 
a precipitating moment when I was like 10 or 11. Um, I think I was always in school like pretty young. So I think I was like seventh grade around then and like something really bad happened with one of my friends, um, like to her. And so, you know, we're like kids and we can't really tell anyone and like no one will do anything about it because it's like a conservative Christian Catholic school and like all that. So we turned to the one thing young children turn to in dire times of need, um, witchcraft and sorcery and curses um so I remember like I went into this like little metaphysical shop I think it's still there and where I lived at the time um although I think they've like changed names like three times now and they had um Judica Isles encyclopedia of a thousand spells not the five thousand the small like abridged version um and they had like a section on hexes and stuff like that and so we I think I bought the book took the book home for sure um (laughs) um, and so we like looked through that and then i don't know we like i think it was something with war water and we like put nails in like an old sparkling water bottle and like kept it in our closet for like three weeks and then there was this like giant old spruce tree that was like really scary and like kind of like falling apart and like kind of looked like it was going to kill someone at any time um and so we like went under it because it had like a little canopy and we like dug this hole and we like stuffed this person's name. Um, we like wrote on a piece of paper 13 times and wrote down their sins and, you know, da 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 And we watered it. And then long story short, like a bunch of terrible things happened really, really quickly. And then it ended up with them um, having to like fly from Ottawa to Toronto on like a medical um, plane because of like an accident that happened. And then we were kind of like, you know, that moment when like shit gets a little too real. Yeah. So that's like, we were like reeling back from that and that, and then a couple of weeks later we were like, what if we get into this? (laughs) Um, So that was like kind of like the precipitating moment. But then the more I think about it, like I grew up, um, my mother's a very deeply spiritual person. We were raised by my grandparents in like this kind of mishmash Christian Catholic kind of environment um but my grandfather was like an early adopter of the law of attraction um or like the secret as they used to call it um and like the more that I talk to him nowadays with like the knowledge that I have um I think he aligns a lot more like with spiritism um and kind of like how that's seen because he believes in angels and demons and obviously god is like the supreme being but he also believes in like spirits of the land and like fey and you know all these things and like he talks about them as if they were like very real like physical things um which i guess is kind of just like the side effect of being like old in the countryside um but so that was like a whole thing and then my mother was kind of um like the black sheep of the family so she was very into like goth and punk and stuff like that like she like showed up in manic panic magazine at some point and like just very like in the subculture which means that she also explored a lot of the spiritual like edgy stuff that came out um during that time so she like you know dabbled in chaos magic and in plain old witchcraft and wicca um and then she stopped everything before i was born um but she raised me with like we talk to rocks and we talk to trees and like dead people are real. And like her dead husband, like washed over us when I was a kid um, and he would show up and stuff like that. And so it was always kind of like fostered. Um, And I feel like 
getting into like the more like literal aspects of like sorcery and like studying folk magic and stuff like that was kind of just like a natural progression to the way that I was raised um so like you know it's like a very layered nuanced answer where like I don't know how I got into it it was kind of just always there but then like there were a couple of things that really like cemented it and then it just stuck yeah Fostered was a really good word to use, I feel like here, because it seems like what you're describing is the environment was there for you to um, pursue that interest if you had that interest. And I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting because I think many of us have these interests, but the environment isn't there to foster the ability to pursue that interest. And it's so interesting. We've talked about this before, and I'm really glad you brought it up with this experience with you know having an unfortunate situation that called for you to literally go out and decide we have no other recourse ex- except mm-hmm. sorcery. And there are so many times that when it comes to spirituality, many people find different sources of spirituality through honestly more spiritual means and purposes. It feels a little bit more altruistic. It feels a little bit more like, what do I believe in? How do I follow the universe? But no, with witchcraft, mm-hmm. I find it usually comes from something deeply personal, very experiential, usually mm-hmm. a, 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 a jumping off point that we find ourselves having no other recourse other than the occult, the fantastic, the 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 supernatural almost. And so it's really, really interesting because I think so many big name creators and other people out there who write books on spirituality will talk about how they I know that how they found their way <laughs> into this really spiritual path with the mother goddess and I'm like bitch I needed power I had a bully I had someone who was mm-hmm. after me and I needed to get them before they got me and it's such an honest and realistic experience and I wish I saw more people talking about those experiences because even historically when we talk about witchcraft when we talk about witch trials folklore all of these initiatory experiences or choices to do so came from people who found themselves oppressed, marginalized, uh, Mm. at some sort of crossroads in their life. They weren't searching for a new belief system. They, They just kind of stumbled upon the thing that they needed when they needed it most based off of a dire circumstance. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that and more people are starting to hear these stories because, um, I don't know. I feel like we need to kind of balance out this love and light is fine if that's what you want to do, but that's not what all this is. And, and people, I like that people are sharing their realistic stories about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when we look at like history and just kind of, at least the people that I've encountered in this sphere. um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, I am very selective with the people that I talk to um, about this kind of stuff. I'm kind of like a recluse in the community um you know witchcraft is a tool of the desperate um it's kind of like the theme that always comes up um and that's why when I I get a lot of people that like come and ask me like how do I get started on this like I'm looking for like um like a new kind of like spiritual path or like a new like spiritual um purpose or something like that right or like that want something to kind of um like not like fix themselves, but like, you know, find a sense of direction in their life, like through spiritual means. In the same way that like people pick up meditation and like Zen Buddhism and like da 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 da, you know? Um, and my answer is kind of always that um, witchcraft finds you because it's kind of the bottom of the barrel of like what you have access to. Um, 
it becomes a tool for the people, a tool to like get yourself out of oppression, get yourself out of poverty, um, to kind of like rise above systemic oppression and difficulties. Um, and especially like when we're looking at like North American folk magic, I mean, it's always been kind of a thing even in Europe. Um, although I feel like in Europe, you kind of have more of a, a narrative that it's something that you can choose, but a lot of the time it's chosen for you and you're forced to undergo the ordeal and it's like a forced initiation or those omens at birth and stuff like that. Whereas in North America, um, with our folk magic mostly evolving from immigrants and, you know, from enslaved people um, and people who were like in desperate need of like something to really like rise above um, their circumstances. As a North American like folk witch, it's like weird to me to kind of recommend witchcraft as a means to like better yourself when in, realistically it's kind of just um, a means to deal with the shit that you can't deal with otherwise, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think the growth comes through that, but it is very much praxis rather, rather than like meditation and like rose quartz healing, you know? Mm -hmm. I think there were, there was this, there's this interesting thing, especially from through like the 70s, 80s and 90s, specifically with the Wiccan boom in the 90s, that mm -hmm. Wicca presented an alternative religion that got equated to witchcraft. And during that time period, witch, witch and Wiccan were literally considered synonymous because mm -hmm. the information about the fullness of the different possibilities and paths of witchcraft was not readily available. And so I feel like there is this crossover between the practice the religion and the way in which some people f gravitate, like you said, they're seeking a spirituality and they find themselves going over to this way, but then they find themselves in a desperate situation, which actually forces them more over to this way towards the practice. They're not seeking mm -hmm. a new belief system. They're seeking help. And exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I find that like the love and light kind of like Wiccan um, stuff that you see, in my opinion, tends to be very like Christianized in terms of like its morals and its values and kind of its, um, mm -hmm. you know, its purpose in the practitioner's life, which like I think is really great for some people. But something that really interests me is like the, um, like the rebellious Christian teen to Wicca to alt-right pipeline. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think that like no one really... I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm like a little conspiracy theorist. No, 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 so no. It like... happens so much. Actually, no, that's so right? funny. I, I talk about like uh, the problem, a big problem within like that, that the, I, I don't want to say the pagan spirit, broad brushstrokes, everybody listening. But like, I think that comes through from like a lot of mythic past stuff, uh, the, mm. the, the desire to reclaim some um, prelapsarian Edenic, kind of like oh we we need to go back to this thing and that that just invites yeah, yeah, in yeah. fascism i mean that that's how a lot Absolutely. of that starts and and one of the things i do want to say real quick so for if for listeners who are listening if you are wiccan i do want you to recognize right now first off one of the things that we're talking about right now is a lot of what ends up happening with and I know we reclaimed Wic we, we, we reclaimed eclectic but, sti but we're still we're reclaiming eclectic but <laughs> There is a huge difference between Wicca's origin and what Wicca became in the 90s, mm -hmm. the 2000s, now in the 2010s and 2020s. What Wicca has evolved into 
doesn't actually look a lot like its origin source. So I actually know a lot of Gardnerian Wiccans. And it's really funny because we will laugh together about like when people talk about Wiccans and I'm like, I'm a Gardnerian Wiccan initiated like third degree. And this doesn't look anything like what what, what happens when we go to circle. So mm-hmm. one of the things I do want people to listen to, there's a huge difference between internet eclectic people who are just picking up a lot of shit and people who are, who are identifying as an initiated into like closed uh, uh, Garnerian coven. So there's a little bit of a difference. I want to make sure that that listeners who recognize the difference are are being um, how can I put this uh, recognized. Mm-hmm. We see no, you and like a lot of the time, I also find that um, you know that like phase of kind of like love and light mm-hmm. is a phase. You know what I mean? Well, because quickly from I want to do love and light and everything positive to you need to do everything love and light. You need to be positive. And now all of a sudden you're wanting to control everyone around you. So everything Mm -hmm. around you is positive very quickly into fascism. Exactly. Traditionalism all around the board, you know, it's traditionalism, however you look at it Mm -hmm. through whichever lens. If you have those values, that's kind of like where you're going to head to. Um, So if you're Wiccan, we love you. We accept you. Yeah, we see you. Thank you for speaking your truth. Um, Unless you're an alt-right Wiccan, get the fuck out of here. Right, yeah, we don't like that. Um, Toodles. (laughs) Besos. Um, Bye, babes. Uh, So that threw me for a loop. Um, So many many good things to say. I I quickly, before I move on to my next question, because there's so much to unpack there, wanted to, yeah, I think for, for me personally, the the uh, I do follow to the mindset that like this is uh, quite predestined at least for me and and my um, the coercion of witchcraft yeah absolutely why would I recommend witchcraft to somebody else um, because coming from my own personal connections in witchcraft I it would be like uh, no these spirits run me ragged what are you talking about like I'm not it it, it is a Absolutely. good time I'm having a great time but also that doesn't mean that it is always a. Uh, uh, it's a great time. It's a good time. It's a fun time, but it is a a lot of a time, mm-hmm. and it's a lifelong time, and even maybe even more than a lifelong time. It could be many lives, uh, and and many generations on. And it's it's like, hey, you 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 know that one day you're gonna have to move all of this somewhere, right? And and you're gonna have to spread us, right? And and we we were supposed to come down here first, and now we have to go back. And I'm like, what? And and yeah, and it's like, oh, and also, uh, you're a big old homo. Who, who what are you going to do when you die? Like, who's getting all of this? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. You can't just, this isn't just all about you, little miss ma'am. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, that's enough about my packs for yeah. today. It's uh, not just a replacement for a Sunday morning activity. No. The way, uh, but, and that's what brunch is for. That's what brunch is for. Exactly. So... I wanted to ask, you you mentioned earlier at the beginning of this, when we were talking to you, you brought something up that really resonates so deeply with me is this mishmash of so many different people and spaces and um, like the land that you live on and not really having some deep ancestral connection because there's so many things going on around you um hashtag eclectic we're reclaiming that word <laughs> i'm reclaiming that word um because i i resonate with it um after i went through my my i hate that word I, i'm coming back and I'm, I'm learning to love it again um 
you pull from many different streams, uh, celestial, planetary, stellar magic. I know you do geomancy, which I am so excited because I'm learning geomancy and um, Hecatean magic, witchcraft, saint work. Um, and can you tell us about how all of these things coexist and what this looks like in your magical practice and all of that? Yeah. Um, so like for me, really, I feel like everything kind of feeds into one another kind of like it's a bunch of rivers and they all end up in the same ocean you know uh -huh. um because like so my main kind of like sorceress witchcraft spirit is hecate um and so you know she is ruler of land sea and sky it's kind of like the whole thing and then she's also like the soul of the world like if you like look into like the chaldeans and stuff like that um and so already there like you know, the celestial stuff, like, is kind of where the stars come into, um, into play, and, like, the planets and all that stuff, and then um, her more, like, tonic um, or chthonic aspects um, kind of dictate how I work with the land, and she's very much, like, a master of poisons and of herbalism and all of these things, because she's so multifaceted, you can really kind of, like, work with her for anything, um, and then we are working on the sea part, we're working on that. That's kind of like in the last couple of months. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. But um, as the soul of the world, she kind of like, you know, um, I see her as the void from which things kind of like become. Um, and so like in Greek myth, like she's the daughter of night and like of the stars or she's the daughter of, you know, various like sea titans and da 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 da. Um, but to me, she is very much like the all-encompassing vacuum of empty space from which creation kind of shows up. And so, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a nihilist in which like, I believe like nothing is real and everything is real and nothing matters. So because of that, everything matters. And that's kind of like what I'm getting at with like my work with Hecate in terms of like how everything feeds into one another and how everything works. Um, I have like a little factory of imps and spirits that kind of like, you know, take care of their own little things everybody's um, working really hard just pulling all these little strings together yes yeah. exactly i view kind of i view the world as kind of like this big tapestry um that's woven and like you know each strand is like a strand of fate that connects like a person and an event and a million other things and you know all that and then with witchcraft you know we're kind of taking the scissors and like you know piecing it up and then we're sewing it back together and then we're making a beautiful couture garment out of it essentially like how it all works um because i am like dual faith i am i guess technically pagan and then um i consider myself catholic you know i have like a main ancestor who kind of like deals with orchestrating all of my other spirits and you'd think that would be hecate but she's kind of like by herself like she's kind of just in the corner doing her own thing and she's like i'm looking over at you and i will hit you with a ruler whenever you're doing something wrong and like that's that but then in terms of like my personal hierarchy of my spirits like I have like a main ancestor and then I have like a few more under her and then through them I have different packs with different spirits um and so I call them like the four grannies which is kind of like funny to think about because they're all very like archetypal and like the whole um I like looked at your book a little bit Marshall and I think you can kind of relate with that mm -hmm. we're like you know each one has like their own little school of magic and like their mm -hmm. own little things that we work with. Um, but, you know, through the two that are on my mother's side, you know, I work with St. Pe uh, Peter, 
because he's our namesake. And then um, I've worked with Expedite since like the very start. So then I carried on that relationship. And then um, with the ceremonial magic, I kind of got into the whole like Yahweh, like names of God sort of stuff, which that's a whole nother crazy cosmology thing to get into. You know, God is dead, whatever. Um, angels are pieces of his body, whatever. You know, we're not going to get into that. Um, or it could be here for like eight hours. And we're um, just feasting on all of it, cannibalistically. Literally. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Everything kind of like worked itself into a beautiful little system over, I think it's been like 12 or 13 years now that I've been working with stuff. I started out with the devil. And then, you know, I do believe that traditional witchcraft as modern witches practice it is a Christian practice. Hot take. I feel like a lot of people want to burn me whenever I say that. Um, but like, you know, everything kind of fed back into Catholicism and then like indigenous kind of knowledge of how spirits and animism works on the land. So what I'm getting at is that I don't have any answers. No, <laughs> oh, I think that you was have actually... Yeah. Yeah, I think you have all the answers. It's, first off, so funny you say that hot take because I have in the past... Like I have said something similar in the past where I said, I don't necessarily consider it Christian based as much as I do say inspired by or bouncing off of because it did, it, it it's. Witchcraft is very dependent on Christianity existing. And I, yes. I want every, like the girl. It's dependent upon, that's the to, word. Right. It's For a reaction the, to. The, yes, reaction. very. It's that's a reaction to. Yeah, yes. yes. And, the, and, and the girls love to come for us when we say that. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. At least within like yeah. the. Western that doesn't mean world. I'm Europe. an actual Christian myself, but that doesn't mean that these practices weren't built and inspired by a reaction to this mm -hmm. very specific churchianity. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. that. Uh, mm -hmm. It is. I mean, it like is... traditional witchcraft is kind of like this, um, this like perversion or like this kind of like mirror flipped image of you know Christianity as it was practiced in like more early modern like medieval times, right? Which is very interesting because like obviously the practices back then and like the beliefs back then were very very different from what it is now like it was a oh, lot yeah. more animistic and a lot more um i heard of jesus i don't know who he is kind of vibe you know because education and da -da 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 -da, all that um but if you're going to be saying the lord's prayer backwards three times staring at the moon and then eating a stolen host you know i don't want any arguments about the whole like christian thing <laughs> right right it has nothing to do with god nothing uh, uh nothing screw, screw jesus and and i'm gonna and the, salt, the salter like right i'm i'm not gonna use the divine holy names of god when i conjure spirits because that doesn't work in my practice and blah blah which i mean if if that is what you do that's fine i'm just saying <laughs> i find it a little ironic that's all um but you know we all have our our bags so <laughs> what we were kind well I wanted to get through all of that and I I definitely wanted to get into st some some stellar magic stuff because um the stars are beautiful and I we haven't talked about it and I want to talk about it and I wanted to talk about yeah. it with you um <laughs> can you for our listeners tell us a little bit more about what the the 15 bohemian stars are and feel free to also go outside of that if if you have relationships to other things i know some people do other stars that are not technically the 15 but um yeah could you tell us more about that yeah i mean so personally like i only hold a relationship with two stars at mm -hmm. this time i've worked with others through various means 
like, you know, Sirius is very important because it's like very much related to Hecate and like it's on my part of fortune. And so like I do kind of like I respect her from a distance, um, but I don't like actively work with Sirius. Um, but I do actively work with um, Spica and the Pleiades um, asterism, although I can't get into the Pleiades, unfortunately, just because everything is kind of growing. That's okay. Um, I also... For, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> for those um who don't know the 15 behenian fixed stars are a class of like basically like the brightest 15 stars that were visible um in antiquity um and then each of them were kind of associated with their own constellations and then with their own virtues and powers so um i believe the first outline in latin was hermes trismegistus um but honestly it was probably there was definitely some stuff before that for sure um the babylonians were all about the stars um and hermes was the first one who they named the hermet like hermetic hermeticism after is that correct yes that's what i yeah, thought yeah. okay so for like listeners that's, like that's exactly yeah um so the 15 behenian fixed stars are kind of like these um celestial bodies some of them are circumpolar and some of them um i don't know what the opposite of that is aren't um, which circumpolar essentially means like they don't rise or set throughout the year. They're always above us, at least in the Northern hemisphere, we have certain and then in the Southern we'll have different ones because you know how the earth is round. Um, although some will argue. <laughs> no, no, it's um, true. Actually, it, it was, it was recently proven that the earth cannot be flat because if the earth was flat, all the cats would have already pushed everything off the edge. Amen. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, exactly. You get it. Um, so yeah, essentially the 15 fixed stars were kind of co-opted into ceremonial magic um, throughout the centuries. And so each of them has like a specific talisman, a specific stone, a specific sigil, a specific herb, and you can kind of like put them together into these little talismans that have um, alleged properties, which I mean, talismanic magic is interesting, um, especially when it comes to the stars, because I think we try to pigeonhole certain celestial powers and like pneumas into these kinds of um you know, categories where it's like, this one is good for money, this one is good for love. Um, but the stars, even more than the planet, I think, um, are very much like unique in their effects and in their um, personalities and spirits. Because I work with everything as like a personality. And so I don't do the whole like fonts of powers. Like I don't do that. It's, they're, they're literally little spirits running around in the sky, you know, and I'm just like a little ant on the earth. And like, I bow, you know? And so, yeah, they're really fun. Um, I personally work with Spica the most. Um, Spica is the spike of wheat in the Virgin's hand. So she is, I believe the left hand of the constellation Virgo might be the right. I don't, in my brain, I don't know how I'm flipping the image, but essentially she's kind of like the gift of Ceres to humankind. And she represents excellence and artistic genius um, and wealth and, I don't know who I saw recently I, in a book somewhere, but someone said that Spica in modern days, rather than being like the gift of agriculture, could be the gift of technology by replacing the imagery from a grain of wheat to a silicon chip, which is like super interesting and kind of crazy to think about. Um, but it's very much like the advancements of so the advancement of society um, through agricultural means and through kind of um, the availability of technology. So, you know, Mozart was born with Spica on his ascendant or something like that, like a very prominent placement 
Um, so she's all about genius and all that thing, all those things. Um, what I personally like about her is that she was traditionally used as um, a marker of harvest. Um, so she would rise and then it was time to um, like reap the wheat from the fields. And then she would be setting and then it would be time to thresh the grain. Cause you know how you have to like leave grain out in a field for like a certain amount of weeks for it to like dry and like kind of like do its thing. And then you can kind of collect it and sort it. Um, so she was very much like a marker of agriculture. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of the bread cult. I think everyone should get into bread making. Um, grain is I like- I forgot really you're an- Foundation of society. Yeah, you're oh, an avid bread grain. maker. Gotcha, okay. I am, yes. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that agriculture is like the, the what's the word in English? Agriculture is like the basis of society and it's like what's allowed us to like really like evolve. As the backbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the cradle almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful big bread bowl of society. Um, so. We're just yeah, the broccoli cheese soup filling it. <laughs> Pardon? We're just the broccoli cheese soup filling it. <laughs> exactly. And we are so tasty. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, my kind of methodology for working with the fixed stars is like, start reaching out, do devotions, um, you know, recite the Orphic hymn to Astron and offer up some incense, you know, set up a little shrine. And then once you've kind of started getting that like reciprocal relationship going, then I'll go ahead and craft like a talisman or multiple talismans, depending on what I'm doing. Um, and then that serves as like an interface of interaction with the spirits of those stars. So it's a lot of like trance work. It's a lot of um, meditation. It's a lot of artistic inspiration and expression. Um, but honestly, I do find that like, I don't have many sorceress applications for working with the stars. I have a couple of things like, um, I have some things on the blog for Aldebaran um, that are very, very sorceress. And I've done like, you know, a couple of spells with Spica. Um, but for me, like, it's very much like a devotional kind of observance um, of the stars and how their appearance marks the seasons and how um, it affects, you know, various events in our natural life. Like right now, like the wheat is bowing and speak, it hasn't arisen and I'm freaking out because I feel like that means that nature is unbalanced, which means that fall is going to come too soon and then it's going to mess up a bunch of things. Um Fuck. So it's a lot of that. I'm like an old man watching the weather, essentially, but it stars. <laughs> yeah. As any good cutting sorcerer would do. Um, put out yeah. your put out your shit. I can't remember the the name of the plant. Your poor man's weather glass. I forget what it is, actually. Maybe it's heliotrope. Oh. I don't remember. I know what you know what I'm talking about, about, right? The one that yeah, opens yeah, yeah. when it's about ready to rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had it once explained to me by a good a good friend of mine um, who did my natal um, stellar astrology, and she had explained it to me that like the a lot of uh, the unfortunate thing is is a lot of times the stars get kind of looped in as the subservience to the planets and she's like but in my opinion i think that the planets are quite subservient to the stars and i always found that very interesting especially because in so much astrology in so much not just witchcraft but just kind of in a lot of western magic as a whole the stars get left out 
quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is a lot of, it's very planetary. And I think that's because uh, possibly we can divide them up very neatly in two days of the week um, as, as opposed to 15, uh, which don't fit so kindly mm -hmm. to uh, a seven day week system calendrically. Um, whether I'm right or wrong on that, who knows? Uh, tangent over, that, that, that's all I had to say on that. You've written before about Aldebaran as a road opening star, um, as well as uh, classical writing saying that it's a star that brings riches to people. Mm -hmm. um, how do you approach stellar spirits personally? I know you spoke on this just a, a little bit ago, as opposed to the traditional way of meeting them. A lot of the times I know that like, um, in a lot of books, it's the information's quite vague about how to approach these things. They treat them oftentimes classically as, like you had said, like these fonts of power to draw from. Mm -hmm. And I think what some other people um, are really emphasizing, especially lately, like I said, one of my friends, I know uh, Sasha Ravitch is, is doing amazing work on stellar witchcraft and um, so many other people are really talking about the, these celestial beings uh, much more animistically and mm -hmm. much more as like spirits to engage with and like you had said as, as a devotional practice. So could you tell us more about how you go about doing that? Whatever you can share. I know mm -hmm. stellar stuff gets uh, really weird really fast and not a lot of people can talk yeah. about it. <laughs> um, so honestly, it's going to depend on like which star you're going to work with. I find that um, they're a lot more individual than the planets. Um, not necessarily because the planets aren't individual. I just think that the planets kind of have a more um, archetypal kind of history and like history of practice and body of practice associated with them with like the different gods that are associated with each and da 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 da. Um, whereas the stars also have like an incredible depth of mythology, but I do find that they kind of tend to. Um, their mythologies tend to be more similar throughout cultures um, than the planets do, where like, you know, some cultures will say that the moon is male or female or that it courses through the skies pulled by bulls or, you know, things are like different in each kind of culture, whereas the stars, um, I guess I, my theory is that it's due to how slow moving they are and how um, they're more like observed annually rather than like, you know, on a month-to-month -month basis, um, their mythos is kind of more, um, what's the word? Like similar across the board, I guess, um, especially when we're looking at like the Pleiades that have like the largest body of lore of like any asterism and any sort of um, celestial body in history. Um, there's a lot more parallels that I'm able to pull when looking at each of the stars um, throughout cultures than I am like with planets that have like a lot of like differing opinions. Um, and I'm sure some people are going to disagree with that. Um, you know, I'm not a huge research nerd, so don't take anything that I say as like academic. I don't know nothing. Um, but like in the bits that I've read and like in my experiences, um, that's kind of my take. So very much like each star is going to have different ways of like wanting to be worked with. So the royal stars I find kind of have, um, I don't want to say like an initiatory kind of nature to them um but there are like definitely like challenges that you need to overcome to be able to work with them accurately like um for example i have a friend um who works with regulus relatively often 
um, who will, you know, take like month long breaks from any sort of malefic, like maleficia. So like no hexing, no cursing, no evil eye, no sort of like defensive magic of any sort. Um, because that's one of the taboos that Regulus like imposes on her. And then, um, you know, you got Antares, which is all about kind of, um, you have to reel in passion and anger and like, even if it's righteous um, and like violence to be able to reap its benefits. Um, Fomal how I have no damn clue. She evades me. No idea. That big old fish. Mm -mm. Um, but you know, Aldebaran is kind of, um, it's kind of all about like pride, I guess, in like the way that I've experienced it. Um, in a weird way, if you like are too proud of what you do with Aldebaran, then like you're not really going to reap the benefits that you could otherwise. Um, and they kind of have an aspect of like smacking you down very aggressively um, if you go against the grain of what they want from you. Um, which I mean, like, there's more info all about that in like Bernadette Brady's books um, and in Sasha's work as well. Sasha Ravage being honestly like probably the best modern resource. On Queen Mother! Earth. Yeah, yeah, we love her. Um, and then J.M. Hamadi as well. I think it's J.M. Um, is also really, really good when it comes to stars and uh, lunar mansions and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, approaching the stars is kind of the same as you would approach any spirit, I'd say. Um, I always recommend the same thing, which I'm sure my followers are so annoyed about because every time anyone comes into my DMs, it's the same answer, which is like, set out a glass of water, burn some appropriate incense, say a prayer or two, sit there for half an hour. Um, and you know, you just do that when the timing is right. I either do like when the moon is join the star or when it's um applying a sex style or trying to it um in terms of aspects um the heliacal rise and the um cosmical setting is also or cosmical setting and a chronicle rising um are both like really really good times to work with the stars in like larger ways like if you want to do like a feast or if you want to like do something big to honor them um and then my relationship with the stars kind of just like evolves from there um and so I'll do a lot of like trance work and then they'll come to me in my dreams and then I'll do a lot of divination and it's all about like the art of communicating with spirits which I think comes more naturally to some and less naturally to others for me it's kind of only really like my doubt about everything kind of just vanished recently in like the last couple of years um where everything I beforehand I used to take everything with like a big grain of salt um to make sure that I wasn't like you know being a fucking lunatic um whereas now like i feel like i don't know i used to overcomplicate spirit communication so much more whereas now like my spirit court is like very very strong and very good and i know what to expect from them so like i use hecate as kind of like a leaping pad to the stars in a way um because like in some ways she is the moon like she's not but she kind of is in like the cosmology of things um, and the moon is the transmitter of light from the stars to the earth. And so I work with her to kind of like do all my trance work and kind of like go flying um, and then meet the star spirits in their own realms. Um, and that's where most of my communication happens. 
Um, and then, you know, things get real weird from there when you get into like the lunar mansions, which is like another big thing that I do. Um, that is also a stellar system, but kind of like a looser stellar system. I find like there's kind of like an intermediate spirit before the stars and then before the lunar mansion, even, um, when you kind of go that route, um, I call them like priestesses of the mansions. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get into like how to work with spirits without, getting into the whole like everything about witchcraft of like you know leaving your body and entering altered state of states of mind and achieving trance and um subtle communication and divination and all those things but like as a good 101 make your little devotions um wait until you receive signs signals like with speaker like i um would see birds of prey quite a bit um which was interesting um, you know, I started noticing how grain grows and then, um, I started receiving dreams and I would kind of like hold these little ceremonies with like, I would bake some sourdough and then I would eat it. And then I developed like a sourdough familiar for my household that kind of served as household spirit under speaker. And, you know, all these little things, all these little droplets of knowledge and gnosis kind of like come together to become a system, um, is the way that I operate. I'm not like a, I'm not a by the book person whatsoever. I think they make great starting points. Um, talismans can be a really, really good way to kind of like enter into more formal paths in quotation marks. Um, I think a contract is more of a, the word for it. Um, a pact kind of involves like taboos and um, promises that last a very, very long time and have consequences if broken. I find talismanic work is kind of more like, I make this talisman, can you please do this through it? zoom 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 download energy and yeah. then you know image magic um and so it's a little less um intense i would say so that's a good starting point um i would probably recommend fixed star constellation and sign what, what is that called the christopher warnock one uh fixed star sign and constellation magic by christopher warnock that one that was like my starting point to talismanic creation with the stars definitely go beyond that when yeah, it's a, it's a it, it's it's yeah. a great great book. Uh, wonderful. It is probably like maybe uh ninety pages long, um, which yeah. is wonderful. It's Gorgina, um, full of prayers, full of gorgeous pictures, um, and it, like images to to be meditated on and things like that. Um, but intentionally vague, I think, because it allows you to build on top of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It should definitely be seen as kind of like uh, an introduction text. Like you, you kind of like, um, you know, about like spirit conjuration, like goetic settings and all that stuff. Like, you know, the ritual is like you meet the spirit and then you go from there. And then you go from there. The book is yeah, telling yeah. you how to how to call them up, not how to have a conversation. It's giving you their exactly. phone number. What you say in the phone call is up to you. Up to you, honey. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's mm -hmm. so funny. That's the reason why there are so many, there are so many one-on-one books on so many different subjects and so few, you know, 201 or, or 102. I'm not sure how that goes. Um, because a huge portion of books are launch they're, they're launching pads. They're starting points. Sometimes they're experiences of people using starting points and then they're sharing their experiences. Though are the best in my opinion like 201 sort of books um but a lot of times it's funny that you mention you know in dms you tell people put a glass of water out at this time period and you make a devotional for 30 minutes you say a prayer you wait for the signs like 
that's not a very satisfying answer when you want someone super sexy especially Mm. when you'd prefer for the person who's already done that work to just tell you what they experienced so they can use the information that you gleaned from that experience and then go and Mm. use it for their own practice that's in my opinion and i've said this before i'll say it again anyone can do witchcraft but not everyone has what it takes to be a witch because exactly there's a huge difference between having someone do the work for you and taking the work they've done and then going and applying it to yourself because for one that may not be the same work for you as it was for them so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I i like that you brought that up and it really points out the way in which books are such a great starting point like um the, the fixed stars book would be a great starting point. Even my book is a great starting point. I don't expect you to finish there. Every single book should have, should should push the inter, the the uh, practitioner to want mm. to glean more from their practice than further reading, in my opinion. I totally agree. Um, I do think that like in the online community these days, there's like a very, very large focus on kind of like academic research mm-hmm. and, um, you know, book and history first um upg second or third you know um and i hate that term upg i think is such a to me it's complicated it's very very pedantic to me because it's kind of like saying like it's a great um way to say like this is my experience and i don't expect you to have the same thing Mm -hmm. but i think it's been co-opted into this whole like this may or may not be true let's doubt the person yeah, um, you I've know, started change. I've started changing the verbiage instead. When when I talk about it, I say personal gnosis, mostly because yeah. I want to just make it clear. I am not stating that this is fact. I'm saying this is my personal experience, and mm-hmm. I don't expect anyone else to have that same personal experience. If you do, Absolutely. great, let's talk about it. But UPG it does carry the like. Yes, I get why it was necessary and why it is necessary, but it does carry this like hint of especially when other people use it invalidation almost it's a little bit annoying that way Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it comes with like an expectation of eventually being verified yes Um, which I mean like honestly I find naturally happens it does because like my or it doesn't (laughs) exactly sometimes it doesn't but hey at the end of the day it works Mm-hmm. so but you know spirits are going to ask different things from all of us um and we all have natural gifts and we all have natural inclinations and in different ways to communicate and interact with the world both physical and spiritual right and so i think working with spirits more directly is going to ask a lot of growth out of a lot of people who are more book studied um mm-hmm. to really detach themselves from this kind of like expectation of like formulaic work of like, I put this and this and this in the cauldron, and then I say abracadabra, and then citri appears, you know, which is never the case because then your packs are going to be different, your omens that you receive are going to be different. Um, an owl to me does not mean the same thing to someone in like the Balkans, you know. Right. Um, all of these things are like deeply, deeply individual and personal, um, and I think that we really. As a community, we've kind of done a disservice to one another by um, expecting like verification and like sources for everything when like realistically, there aren't going to be for most things once you get past a certain level. You mean Facebook groups, where people saying, I woke up this morning and there was a squirrel at my window. What does it mean? 
yeah, yeah. As if like the 60,000 responses are going to be confirm confirmative sources. They're going to confirm whatever gnosis you want to get from it. It's, it's yeah, maybe, maybe I have a little tangent on that, but we can move on from it. <laughs> <laughs> so switching gears a bit, you run your shop online, but you're also a service magician. Can you tell us what being a magician practitioner servicing other people who may or may not have a magical practice looks like to you? Yeah, um, this is actually something I was talking about with family recently, um, because as spiritual as they are and as like lovely and smart and educated as they are, they don't really understand what I do for work, mm -hmm. which is like very funny to me because I'm very much, I literally tell them, I'm like, I'm a witch. I do witchcraft and they're like essential oils. <laughs> I literally have the same exact problem with my and I can just be as blunt as I possibly can. I do magic for a living. They do, I'm they don't they don't know what that means. They're like, well, mm -hmm. you do perfume, and wow. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a perfumer. That is a part of it. They're like, but you you make jewelry, and I'm like, that is a part of it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um. Yeah. So beyond um, you know, producing my my womanly wares um and my potions and elixirs um i would say like most of what i like about running kitchen toad is being a service magician um i think it's like social cast that is very very interesting and very um necessary because if you look at history there's always kind of been like a magical person somewhere you know in like the traditional kind of like societal setup um always apart and kind of always um feared but also respected um you know you get your cunning men you get your um norse like say that practitioners you get your um medicine people and stuff like that um and like in modern days we kind of like got rid of that although not completely because let's be real faith healers do the same damn thing just worse and not as great um and so i really enjoy kind of embodying this like social cast and this um this role in my community of being a mag magical practitioner um i help people for like literally everything i'm very much like i don't take on um what's the best way to do that to like say that um i turn away a lot of people that come to me um for like the small petty things where I'm like, girl, don't spend $200 on this, you know? Um, and I prefer working with my clients long-term. And so everyone that I work with really has come to me at this point, probably for like three to eight different things. So like I'll do divination um, to look at their career and then we'll tackle the problem um, from different angles, like who's challenging them, who's their competition, what are their goals? Um, and then we'll enchant like every step of the way to, you know, really my role is to offer support and to offer guidance um, in a way that um, speaks to a specific type of person. Because I think it's one thing to be a witch and it's one thing to be someone who hires a witch. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not like you're going to like a consulting firm and you're like, how do I get my life together? Um, you know, I get a lot of like heartbreak and I get a lot of career stuff and I get a lot of, um, there are no other options, you know? Um, and so it's all about building trust. It's all about building um, reciprocal respect 
um, and kind of understanding, like, I tell everyone, I'm going to do everything I can. And like, I'll support you like on the spiritual end of things, like we'll make things fall into place for you. We'll get you new opportunities, all of that. But at the end of the day, like you need to work on ta 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 to make sure that what I do on my end works out. And then they'll come back to me and we'll discuss like what they did, what happened, um, how the magic influenced everything, which I like verify for my spirits and for divination. Um, and then it's like a constant evolving process um which is really lovely because like I've built up like this lovely little community and this little roster of folks um who not only are my clients but like I'm like genuinely invested in like their success and in their life and like what they're up to um and so I always encourage my clients to like write back to me even if it's not to request anything or if it's not to like discuss any sort of magic because like I want to keep tabs you know you end up involving yourself in people's lives in a way that, um, I don't know, you're a spiritual service provider. You're like basically like a pastor in like a small town, but everything is online and, you know, you don't always meet everyone face to face. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the same thing, right? I'm curious, the name Kitchen Toad, where does it derive from? I've, I mean, I, it's such a fascinating I'm more of a living room rabbit myself. So I'm curious. <laughs> I have to know where does kitchen toad come from? Um, so it's kind of like a multi-faceted answer. Um originally, so I've been blogging ever since I started doing like genuine like sorcery TM, like trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started out with it was like Kiri's little apothecary, and then it was the frog's apothecary I think but then I always wanted to be like the toad's apothecary but it sounded weird so then I didn't use it and then it was my name for a while and like so I like I like went through like different kind of like stages of names for like the business Mm -hmm. um and like my presence online and then one day I was I'd recently moved to the coast and I was like getting really into like cooking um And I was like, I'm going to start a food blog to like document, like, I don't know. I was really inspired. I was like having a moment. Um, So I like bought this domain for like 600 bucks for like 10 years. um, And it was Kitchen Toad. Um, And then that didn't happen. And then I was like, well, shit, I paid all this money for nothing. And so when I started, when I decided to start living off of my practice, um, I basically just co-opted the name and I was like, it has a nice ring to it. I think I can market this. Um, I'm a very like entrepreneurial person. I have a background in um, media and in media creation. Um, and I'm really interested in marketing and in social media and how all those things work. And so the way that I build my brand is very much like, I saw a need within a niche that I occupied and then I created a brand to fill it. Um, and so I use very much like traditional, like marketing techniques, um, with Kitchen Toad. So I was like, the name is good. It looks good on paper. No one's taken it. Um, so that's the name. I loved it. It was very memorable. It stuck with me. I I like the, the, um, iconography that's used with it. Uh, on your, your page, it has like the toad with the Orborealis going on. It's, it's very iconic looking and it stuck with me. So I was just curious to see. I, I love knowing its evolutionary origin story now. 
<laughs> Thank you. It, it's all going back to bread for you, apparently. That's where it all it, begins. Everything Starts and stops. goes back to bread. Always. I really... I really wish that I had remembered that for a moment because I, I remember so specifically reading something, I think it was like a post or just no, somehow knowing I'm like, oh, this person bakes a lot. Oh, I think you've said it before. Like, oh, I bake a lot. And that's like mm -hmm. a lot of the work that I do with like, like spirit offerings and stuff like that is I bake a lot. And for me, it's something completely different. And going back to what you said earlier, for a lot of these things, like we all have different strengths. And I also think too, like these spirits um ask and require and and play to our strengths as well as our weaknesses but like love to coerce it's like oh you make a bunch of like really nice art and you put a lot of detail into a lot of things you should start doing that for me what do you, yeah, <laughs> do you want that. right i would love that <laughs> oh you're a perfumer and you have all this perfume laying around well you should start feeding me perfume um mm. Things I think like it's that. also about the way that you like express love, right? Yeah. Because um, like for me, like I bake a lot because food was like the love language in my family. Um, and so like I grew up making like we made everything from scratch. My mom used to make her own yogurt, you know, like crazy behavior. Um, and so when I started working with my spirits more closely, I was like, well, I express my love through food, and I love you guys. So here's food. Very, very that. No, absolutely. I wanted to ask when things get into a little sticky situation within the the service magician, um, the things that we do because we don't have like HIPAA. I don't know. Does HIPAA exist in Canada? Is that like kind of kind of? But you get yeah, the yeah. gist. Um, I'm like I don't know if it's called that there, but <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you know, how do we go about doing things ethically? What are, I mean, there's no like unified moral code of conduct for service magicians. So for me personally, what I find is just like doing client work, doing mostly divination for people um, and then giving people tools to help them with their server, uh, sorceress endeavors. Um, like I have a code of conduct, but it might not look mm -hmm. the same to you. So how, what do you think that looks like for people who do magical services as an ethical code of conduct, if, if they're doing them at all? Yeah, um, I think the conversation around like morality and ethics, I know you have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, around morality and ethics um, and the witch is like very, very fascinating. Cause like, so more like morally speaking, I think your ethics should be based off of your morals really to like run a business like properly um, or like as an individual anyways. Um, and like morality for the witch I think is very gray. Um, we do a lot of shit that I think a lot of people don't think are very moral. Um, but like my ethics are mainly based off of um, mutual respect and also um, in a way like queer politics um i believe in like respecting the individual and um making sure that everyone's as comfortable like comfortable as possible um even though my job involves doing some things that might not be very moral or very ethical in the eyes of the law my clients don't need to know that um right. 
You know what I mean? Like you don't you don't need to see what goes on behind the curtain. Uh, exactly. That's why I'm here. If I'm gonna be hammering nails into um, a sheep's head at the crossroads um, to make your boss shut up about you, you know that doesn't concern you. Don't worry about it. Um, I'll take that on. You know, um, but you know it's all about. I do have a background in um, herbalism and phytotherapy, um, and so for my products, a lot of that is gonna be. You know, um, if I'm using poisons, then like I'm really intent on dosage. And then if I'm using um, certain allergens, then I have to declare that. And it's all about kind of um, making sure that you're not causing any problems for anyone, but still honoring your craft and your practice and the way that you do things. Like there's a lot of things that I won't sell in the shop, but I'll do custom um, for like more involved. Um, Things like I have clients that I've worked with for like three, four years um, who will request like something made with aconite and henbane and all this stuff. And I'm like, those are not controlled substances. So it's not technically illegal, but it's up to your discretion to use them. Um, and I want no part of anything that you do with them, you know? Um, so I think we're kind of bound to occupy this gray zone. Um, I'm sure a lot of us get in trouble with a lot of different things. Um, knock on wood, I've been good so far. Um, but you have to like really keep in mind kind of like the controlled substances um, in your country where you're shipping. And then you also have to um, be very open and communicative about your ingredients and your methodologies and um, the way in which you approach your work and your formulations. And then when it comes to kind of less physical offerings you are so needy right now um when it comes to less physical offerings it's a matter of discernment i think um i won't do like compulsive love work on behalf of a client that i don't know um and i'm not going to do hexes on behalf of a client that i don't know unless divination is very strong yes um, and my spirits are like yeah do it you know um but for clients that I've been working with for many years and that I know their situation, I know how things have evolved and we've been working towards something for a long time, then like it's a case by case basis, but I'm more willing to do some of the heavier, darker, grosser work on their behalf at a price, wink. Um, because, you know, I'm invested in their, in their life and I know who they are and like where their intent is coming from. Um, but I'm not going to start laying like plagues upon thy fields and upon thy home on behalf of like some rando that emails me at three in the morning, you know? So you will do it, but not for randos. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that explains the ethical code completely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You just gotta, I don't know. You kind of make it up as you go. I think, um, nothing could really prepare you for having that impact in anyone's life mm -hmm. um, other than your own personal experiences and your own path. Um, and, you know, I think I was a decade in when I started offering my services um, professionally. Mm -hmm. And so I have a pretty strong sense of like what I'll do, what I won't do, how I'll do it, how I go about it. It's kind of hard to put into words, um, but it's very much like an honor system for me. It's interesting. Yeah. I was I was thinking about this is a little bit of a weird comparison, but I I I I think it it belongs here. 
you know, I'm a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist for like 18 years now. And mm. the amount of times I have done something or, or experienced something to now know at a point that this is what I will do. This is what I won't do. I don't want to do fashion colors because I know it takes this amount of work with this amount to pay off and you pay this much for this little amount to pay off. I don't want to, mm-hmm. um, I don't do perms because they involve me having to put this level of work in with this level of payoff. Um, I won't cut kids hair if the parents don't agree exactly on terms of it. I remember having one or two kids cry in my chair because the parents wanted it different than how they wanted it. And I was like, I didn't, get into doing this work to make children cry like like I didn't get into this work for this level of of outcome if you will and you start recognizing like you know I don't like the way this makes me feel in this level of my craft so I'm no longer going to do it I don't like what how much work I have to put into this for this level of outcome so I'm no longer going to do that and when it comes to being a witch when it comes to being a service magician and practitioner there are a lot of things that, you know, sometimes like, yeah, I did it once, but I really don't want to do it again because I did not like mm-hmm. the way it felt. I didn't like the outcome. And there were some consequences that, you know what, both me and my client learned from. And it is interesting how this kind of crossover shows itself because I think there are a lot of occupations and and serve, especially when it comes to the service industry, there are a lot of occupations that I think can identify with that. And I think there are a lot of uh, of of long term people who have been within these these sort of occupations that can start recognizing like you know what it's so funny you mention that because I used to do this thing but ever since this happened I won't do it again and but you know what I might do it for a good long time client of mine or I might do it for my yeah. for, for my mother in law you know like I might do it for so and so because we have a special bond and relationship and I could ha- I could make certain concessions for them and that relationship would would have more weight to it so I see what you mean there mm-hmm. yeah like I mean I so one of my personal like lines that are very very strict is like I don't do nothing for health or mental health um or anything that concerns anything like that. Like, um, if you want a road opener to like, you know, find the best doctor in your area, sure, no problem. Um, But I'm not slinging spells to like heal colics, you know? Um, A, because I think the methodology doesn't really apply on a distance. Um, And B, because I'm not a fucking doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know nothing about your needs and what you're doing. You know, I can't diagnose you. I can't do anything. And that's like an interest, it's like a weird line for me because I am a phytotherapist. So like I am trained to, you know, diagnose um, holistically and like, you know, assign certain um, herbal formulas and remedies and stuff like that um, for people's situations and kind of like, you know, iron deficiencies or like if their liver is a little weak or stuff like that. Um, But just because of like the legal liability and also like the false hope of it all mm-hmm. um i'm not doing shit magically you know mm-hmm. uh-uh. I, mean, I don't want to touch health services i don't want to touch health with a 10-foot pole i will happily no, make i will happily make a healing amulet for my best friend i would mm-hmm. not make it for a paying client absolutely yeah yeah like you know the um, weight of doing that and carrying it and offering it for a business versus my friend totally two different things exactly yeah like i'll do um you know i have like a healing charm that i really love um it's on the blog somewhere 
um and i'll do that on behalf of friends if like they ask me like if they're sick or like it's like a long-term illness or something like that like sure no problem um you know i'm in the process of working some like things for sobriety on behalf of some family members um things like that but then charging money and mm -hmm. like doing those things on behalf of someone whose situation i don't know and who like i'm not physically in contact with um and whose like family history i don't know and you know there's so many variables and like things like that in health that like you just can't touch it um i think to all you wonderful listeners out there if um a magical practitioner offers you a magical cure to any sort of ailment um run it is not gonna end well for anyone you're either gonna be out like 500 bucks and nothing's gonna happen or you're gonna get worse probably I know some people who do medical divination cautiously. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly like don't, because at the end of the day for me, it's like I, I would do not medical diagnostic, but basically like do, should I go see a doctor about this? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Especially um, with geomancy, like health comes up a lot and mm -hmm. the nature of a problem um, physically, um, as well as mentally as well. Uh, so that I, I would be more inclined to do, but at the end of the day, I would still even just be like, but I am not a doctor mm -hmm. and you should go see it regardless of whatever this says. If you're even asking about it in divination, you should go see a doctor anyways. Like Absolutely. And I think with geomancy too, because like ask any of my clients, um, in my like big spiritual ecosystem reading that I do, there is like a section that has to do with um, like spiritual maladies. Um, is that a word in English? Spiritual yeah. like illnesses and stuff like that. Um, and like blessings and curses. Um, and in those cases where like, let's say someone has um, like pure in the sixth house, you know, um, and it's a lot. And then they have like a fiery figure as like Vita, like the first house. Um, then I will probably recommend, you know, incorporate some cooling practices in your life to try and tackle certain issues. So like I might recommend, you know, um, what is it called? Do, 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 like marshmallow or slippery elm or like something like that, like as a tea, like, you know, on a daily basis or um, things like that. But like all of that is kind of holistic and I'm not like giving medical advice, you know? Right. Yeah, Abs absolutely. Have like, iced coffee instead of hot coffee. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Maybe yes, just, you know, lay off the coffee. <laughs> uh, right, lay off the coffee. Sure. For me, it's a lot of like, how can you incorporate certain certain things into your life? Um, mm -hmm. uh, like clothes a lot to like, mm, uh, stop wearing less, stop wearing so much black is a, is a thing that I run into yes. a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, or yeah. start wearing more red, start wearing less yellow, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um uh, blues, if you're trying to get lights. pregnant, stop tying your shoelaces. Right, yeah, too many, no. too many, and, and it's stuff like that where it's like, okay, this is very separate from medicine, mm -hmm. and yeah. and I'm looking at it through more of a magical lens, but um, mm -hmm. Mahigan, I wanted to ask, as our last question, what can we expect in the next year from the darling and wonderful Kitchen Toad, and um, yeah, what can we expect from you? So I don't have anything set in stone. Um, I'm kind of focused on moving at the moment. So like I have to recalibrate everything after that. Um, but in the plans for 
the nearby future, I definitely want to create some more um, sets that you're going to see. Um, some beautiful packaging and some beautiful design on my behalf. Um, and then I'm also hoping to kind of get more into um, practical wares, let's call it. Um, I'm kind of entering this phase where I want to step away from doing too much um, materia magica, like oils and tinctures and stuff like that, just because it's very taxing um, coming up and um, producing product on a monthly basis. Um, and also because my shelves are bending um, under the weight of all my jars. I actually feel that. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> right? Um, and so I'm going to try and expand Kitchen Toad into some very new, um, much more practical and um, interesting houseware items and altar items um, and that kind of things. Um, I'm planning a planetary set um, as well as a set for the Lunar Mansions. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working on on big projects product-wise in the next year. Um, and then I'm also slowly um, gestating and giving birth to a podcast. Um, so look out for that. Um, and I'm also putting together a couple of classes at the moment. So lots of like little things going on behind the scene. I don't know when they're going to come to fruition. Um, I am very much a Capricorn moon. I take my time um, and things happen when they happen. So um, that's like pretty much what I've thought about so far. Yeah. Well, if you ever need any extra guests or 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 uh, people to pass to like toss around conversational topics on the podcast, you just let us know. Of course, I'll be knocking <laughs> on your door. And if you ever um, find that you might need a person who operates in multiple aspects of the fragrance industry, let uh, give me a ring. Sure, <laughs> with pleasure. You've been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall. You can find me on Witch of Southern Light, on Threads, on TikTok, and uh, uh, Instagram. You can uh, find in the link trees of all of my bios, you have lots of, of links to information. You can find where to buy my book, Cunning Words, a grimoire of tales and magic, uh, mostly published on Amazon, as well as Ingram Spark. Um, I do have... I believe by the time this comes out, it might be before October. I'm not sure. Um, I have a couple of signings coming up. So pay attention to my page if you'd like to do uh, come to a book signing in Denton or Houston or however many I get to book in the future because I'm really excited about that as the winter comes. I hope to book more. Um, pay attention to my blog, which usually comes out on average of once a month now on uh, Pathios Pagan, the Southern Light Diaries. And I feel like... I usually forget a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, you can buy my art and all of my, my grimoire pages on my Redbubble shop or my Etsy shop, also in the link tree of all of my bios. And I'm Austin Bain, Exprimble on Instagram. You can shop me and my womanly wares um, at BainXPrimble.com. And uh, if you're in the Tampa metro area, you can also, uh, I'm doing some in-person classes with Dysfunctional Grace. Um, and yeah, you can find those on their website. Mahigan, can you tell us where we can find you? 
Of course. Um, you can find me at, at Kitchen Toad on Instagram or on the Kitchen Toad website. That is K-I-T-C-H-E-N-T-O-A-D.com, um, where I post a bunch of things on the blog. Um, all my product descriptions are incredibly long if you want to learn a little bit more about my collections and what I offer. Um, I also have my services menu on there. Otherwise, you can reach me by email at M-A-H-I-G-X-N at Outlook.com with any sort of questions, requests, um, commissions, anything like that. Um, and that's about it for me. Megan, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I feel like I feel like I don't get to talk to a lot of, uh, of service magicians besides Austin on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> who are willing to share aspects of their craft. I've been following your page for a while now. It's absolutely beautiful. I deeply, deeply suggest people go and follow Kitchen Toad on Instagram. The imagery is absolutely stunning. It is aesthetic as fuck, which I enjoy, but you can tell there's real substance there. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. We wanted to thank some of our Patreon sponsors by name, Witch Rafa, V, Tracy, Timothy, The Witch of Patapsco Forest, The Modern Babylon, The Lady Ghost, Shanna, Nico, Lisa, Keith, Key, Johnny, John, Jens, Jennifer, Jennifer Squared, Jason, Jamisa, Giles, Colby, Cindy, Callie, Ariella, and Adity. Thank you all so much.